0: Lock and load. This is georgiacarry.org radio with Georgia Carry's executive director Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our second amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, executive director of georgiacarry.org, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome to org radio hour this beautiful Saturday morning in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, those of you that didn't hear last week's show, I would recommend you go back and, and download the podcast. That was our 100th show. We had uh, Danny Moore and Philip Doolittle, who were our Georgia Carry members on here, and we had a good time just talking about each other and learning a little bit about everybody. So uh, I want to remind you that Next week, we will have Tim and Manya Parker on the program to discuss uh, the com- uh, the upcoming convention and planning the convention, et cetera. Manya does that. Tim, of course, is a board member and the treasurer of georgiacary.org. And I have with me this morning my special guest today is Mr. Mike Minkus. He is a founding board member of georgiacary.org. He uh, filed the first lawsuit and paid for the first lawsuit that Georgia Carey filed against a probate court judge in uh, in our existence, which I believe he won, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that was over the fact that at that time we had GFLs and they would not issue them according to the statute. They were taking much longer than the time allotted. And I'm not sure what that time was, but I know we got it down, I think, to 45 days, and now we got it down to 35 days. So uh, it's getting better. But at any rate, uh, I'm going to... Asked Mike to step in here and uh, tell you a little bit about himself and about uh, what he's done with Georgia Carey. He's also the guy that has done all of the uh, uh, studies that are on our website. So if you haven't read those, you need to go read them and give you a good insight into what goes on and why we have gun control in the first place. So welcome, Mike.
2: Thank you. This is terrific to be here. I love this.
1: Good. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I think it would be good if I told you how I got started. I'm a September 11th gun owner. On that day, you know, our nation was attacked, (laughs) and I realized that I had no way to protect my family or myself. And I felt it was really immoral that I would expect a police officer or a firefighter to die for me when I wouldn't wouldn't take the first step to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And it profoundly affected me. So uh, I eventually got my carry license in 2002, and then uh, I was involved with preventing the assault weapons ban from being renewed, Mm -hmm. and it was on part of a website called AWB Sunset. It no longer exists. Mm -hmm. But what we did was we coordinated a bunch of people, our response to prevent the Democrats, Republicans, and the NRA from renewing the assault weapons ban, which had a hard – End date of September something in 2004. Right. After that was finished and we were successful and we saw the power of the internet, um, I started posting on packing.org and that's where I met Ed Stone, John Monroe, and and a couple others. Um, And then we realized how bad Georgia gun laws were. Like everybody would tell you, Georgia has great gun laws. Right. And you could not legally carry. Just about anywhere in the state, because of the language, right? You know, had the public gathering law. Public gathering, yeah. Could not not inclu- to our wallet, yeah, exactly. Which
1: consists of, but is not, uh, which includes, but does, which consists of, but is not limited to. I'll get it is, right in a minute. Yeah, it's the not limited. Not to, limited to this is work is horrible, right? So
2: I was sitting there in a shopping center, realizing there's a church, there's a wine bar, mm-hmm. uh, there was a library, government building, and I realized it was like. There was no way you could legally carry a gun right. in Georgia, and, and it
1: was illegal for you to have it in your car there. Yes. So, what could you do with a license? You,
2: yeah, the license was worthless. Right. And that came about because you know John, John Monroe and Ed Stone and I were, and a, a bunch of other people were organized on Packing dot org. Then we started um, GeorgiaPacking dot org, which right. is another website. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if we're allowed to bug it, but we're going to – It's fine. Okay.
1: So We don't have anything to do with so you can plug any website you want to.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so then we started looking at the law and saying, you know, the probate judges were not following the law. Right. And Cobb County's probate judge, he just refused to issue temporary licenses, which was on, in the law. Mm-hmm. He refused to follow the 60-day requirement to issue license. Right. And so my license was coming up in, I think it was 2006, October. And I had in my mind, I'm going to sue these bums or sue this bum. Mm-hmm. And I walked in there, and, you know, they demanded my Social Security number. I refused. And then uh, then they threatened me, and they said, well, we're not going to approve your license with that. And I was like, okay. And I'm starting to sweat because it's pretty intimidating mm-hmm. to realize your carry rights are on the line, right? hoping that somebody down the line, hoping that John Monroe can right. save your keister, right. you know. And then I said, well, I, I want a temporary license, to cover the time period from now to then, and they refused. And I said, well, when are you going to issue the license? He said, six, seven months. I said, but the law says 60 days. I've got a copy of it. I've put it down on the counter, and the guy laughed at me and says, we don't follow the law. And then so so I left, kind of dejected, went home, told my wife, I probably won't get a carry license now. I think I really pissed them off. (laughs) (laughs) So we filed suit. And I won, but in these lawsuits, even though you win, you lose. You lose because you know I had to shell out a lot of money. Right. Uh, we had to hire a server, a process server, right, for the lawsuit, and of course, he couldn't find a probate judge, so he had to go back a second time. Right. Um, that was a, the fam- Fulton County is famous for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't find the right. find the mayor's office. Right. It's in the same building as you are. Yeah. yeah. And it brought up a bunch of things that caused Georgia Carey to be formed.
1: Because mm-hmm.
2: we realized pretty quick that finding plaintiffs who would step up to the plate and risk everything was hard. Right, And then he had to have money, which right. eliminated a whole class of people right. because each each person was self-funded. I right. self-funded my lawsuit. James right. Camp self-funded Did his. his. Right. Um, and then, like I said, even though you win, you lose. Right. So that kind of was the essence of forming Georgia Carey, which was group pulling your resources together so that we can file a suit against mm-hmm. the judges, who at that time were just abusing the law. Right. They they literally laughed at me, right. the Cobb County Probate Judge Office. Yeah. Um, he, that judge actually resigned. He didn't run for re-election a couple months later, which was great. Right. Because I was going to run against him <laughs> and I'd be a probate judge now. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how Georgia Carey got started, was right. kind of a mutual aid society.
1: Well, it's changed a little bit too since then. By yes. the way, I had a, a probate court uh, judge call me just yesterday to discuss the new law to make sure that he was doing it right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's amazing how things have changed in just uh, what ten short years, eleven short years. Yeah. Uh, we have we have uh, we've made our voices known, and people know that if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And yes. if, if if you want me to sue you. We're probably going to sue you. You may win, but you're going to go through the same thing that we're going through because we're going to uh, stand up for our rights and see what we can do about not only our rights, but everybody else's rights. That's right. You, you said a while ago, if you if you win, you lose. But if we win, everybody wins. That's right. You know, so uh, with, a, with a big, broader voice like that, it's a whole lot better than it would be uh, otherwise. Yep. and now, and
2: I would say that litigation strategy that we started out with mm-hmm. is paying dividends in other areas. Yes. For example, Campus Carry. Right. You think the regents were going to, you know, play games with the law? Right. No way. No. Because we would sue them in a heartbeat. And
1: if you look at the, the letter that they put out, they, they – Said in the letter, this is the law. There's nothing we can do about it. Some states allow that the, the uh, colleges or universities to determine what they. We don't have that. Yep. This is the law. You can carry on a public utility in, or a public university in the state of Georgia. That's right. So they're aware of that, and and uh, there's a lot of people that are aware of that. Uh, not only them, but a lot of other people. There's an awful lot of yes. um, uh, law enforcement agencies that realize that they don't want to be on youtube you know mm-hmm. because if they're on youtube violating somebody's r- civil rights then they've got a problem and not only uh, and especially today not only is it, it is a, a pr problem it's a problem legally and there's a lot of people uh, whose uh, future uh, employment's on the line that's right and that's not only on our side that's on the other side we're not trying to push anybody to that point we just want everybody to understand where we are, and and that we're going to fight for our rights, regardless what happens. That's right. So you are a structural engineer.
2: I'm a I'm a former environmental engineer.
1: Oh, okay, environmental. I'm I, sorry. I know you're PE. That's yeah. I'm a yeah.
2: licensed engineer, state of Georgia, as civil engineer. Mm-hmm. I worked as an environmental engineer. I now work as a financial analyst, contract negotiator, pricing manager. And that's it's that's
1: like, that's where you get all your background. On doing the studies, etc. The, the, the statistics—I'm
2: very right. comfortable looking at data. That's right. what I do all day, right? So, right. and
1: and and you—you you put out some very, very good studies. Anybody that hadn't read the racist roots of gun laws—they—they're uh, missing out on something. They need to read it. They need to read all of the studies, quite frankly. But going back over the history of the gun laws, the studies that you put out are really remarkable, and it—it it just brings everything into focus as to why. We had the Jim Crow laws out there. The only thing it hadn't brought into to, uh, focus is why we had to wait 140 years to get rid of it, Yeah. other than the fact that there was no Georgia Kerry 100 years ago, or 120 years ago. there Or was, 10 years ago. Or even 10 years. Well, 10 years ago, we were, we were, but 11 years ago, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Well, we're coming up on a, our first uh, commercial break here. We've got to pay our bills just like Rush Limbaugh or anybody else. I want to remind you, uh, go to GeorgiaCarry.org web- website, www.GeorgiaCarry.org. You will see everything that we've ever done. We're, we're not hiding anything. Everything's on there. You can join up if you're not a member. If you are a member, you can renew. You can become a life member. Uh, you can follow us at GeorgiaCarrie on Twitter, and I'm at Got Your Back 64 on Twitter. And I want to remind you that uh, you can go to Newstalk1160.com and download the commercial free podcast of this program. We'll be right back.
0: And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. I'm here today with uh, Mr. Mike Minkus, one of our founding board members, and I uh, our, our, guess we could call him our personal statistician, something along those lines. That'll work. And uh, we're going to uh, continue with our conversation here about, uh, about a little, whatever comes up. That's what we do on this program. We just sit here and talk about what's going on like we're in your living room talking to you. So uh, have at it, Mike. Okay.
2: Well, rather than bore you with statistics and stuff, we'll get to that later.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I, wonder, I found a Casey Cagle quote, Lieutenant Governor Casey Kagel quote, that I thought was very insightful. And it talks about the process. You know, we talked about our litigation mm-hmm. strategy. Now we'll talk about the legislative right. strategy. And that is, his quote is, politics is a process. You don't look, at the re- you don't look in the rearview mirror. You look ahead through the windshield. And I think that reflects how Georgia carries operated. You know, right, right. We've had some big defeats, oh yeah, in the legislature, right. painful ones, right. Um, that would just infuriate you.
1: Well, but um, it didn't. But it did. I mean, we it, it did it did internally, but yes. you know, we smiled and went on. In fact, I remember in in 2012 when we lost right at the last minute. Senator Parrish asked me on the radio she, or said to me, she said, "Well, you lost." And I said, no, we didn't lose. We just ran out of time. We'll be back next year. Yes. And that's our attitude. We didn't get it this year. We'll be back next year. We do not go away. We don't quit. We don't give up. We don't stomp our feet, and we don't say nasty things about you. We just smile and say, we'll see you later.
2: Yeah. You know, it makes us mad. I sat at home, wrote a, you know, I spent two months writing a nasty Letter to the editor about Governor Deal's veto of Campus Carry mm-hmm. two years ago, a year ago. Mm-hmm. And then I burned it in the front yard because I was like, that is not how we operate. Yeah. Right. Well, but. you
1: either burn it or it burns you. Exactly. And, and yeah. we don't need to be burned. Yeah. And, and we're not, you know, the thing about it is, too, and, and I'm not taking up for Governor Deal in any manner, shape, or form, but I was given some advice, I think it was after the 2012, might have been, after, I think it was after 2012, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. I said something about a particular politician in uh, in Georgia uh, to our good friend Tim Bearden. And I said something about, you know, I didn't have any use for him, couldn't stand him, that, that sort of thing. And he gave me some really good advice that I have followed since then. I followed it then to see if it was true, and, and it was. He said, that was last year. Yes. He said... The guy that was your biggest enemy, or lady, the the person that was your biggest enemy last year, might be your biggest supporter next year, and you can't throw them out. You've got, you know, you don't have to be happy with what they did, and if they continue to show that, then yeah, they've proven that they're that they are your enemy. But just because something didn't go your way this year doesn't mean that that same person won't be back pushing it next year. And in this instance, that person was back being very instrumental in getting. Uh, the well HB sixty passed basically, yeah. Yeah. and uh, without that, if if I had gone in and and said and done what I wanted to say and do, we probably wouldn't have HB sixty.
2: That's right, and you can see it in gun bills. Uh, the the voting record in the Senate of gun bills. You know, when mm-hmm. we first started, there are a lot of skeptics, <laughs> a lot of people who are uncomfortable with the concept of carrying guns in public. So when our first gun bills, you know, things would be hard time to get through to Senate. Right now, thing now gun bills are sliding through the Senate pretty smoothly. Right and people who were uncomfortable with it were skeptics in the past, now voting for it and standing up in the well and supporting the bill. Right and it it's hard and you know it brings me warm makes me warm in the heart that we've converted. Right, we could we showed them through real reality. Right the benefit of gun carrying
1: that's correct and the fact that that we were not a bunch of, of idiots out here just waving guns around that we exactly we carry you'd never know it most of the time that we've even got a firearm on us uh even i i normally carry openly and i go into places and people don't realize most of the time that i'm carrying in there i have had dinner with people openly carrying no sport nothing covering it whatsoever and uh we had a couple of drinks, and about the second or third time I got up to go to the bathroom, I came back, and somebody said, you're carrying guns yeah, ever since I got here. You know? <laughs> and they didn't realize it. We met out on the sidewalk talk. They didn't realize it. And part of that is because we're comfortable with it. We don't reach back and touch it. We don't have to fondle it. It's there. We know it's there if we need it. And, uh, uh, in fact, talking about the Senate, the last five bills that went through the Senate, three this year— and two last year were engrossed, which yeah. meant you could not change it. That's the way it was. It, it's engrossed. You can't change anything. You vote for it or against it. And so, you know, the Senate has, to, has kind of changed their ways. And um, uh, if it continues the way it is now, then obviously if we get a bill through the House, then we're going to get something fairly good out of the Senate. That's right. And, and in the past, that's not the case.
2: No, it used to be, you know, I can remember a signed die, and our, our gun bill came up to, mm-hmm. for vote, and it was just, well, we're at, end of yep. session ended
1: yep. well, right as
2: that one came up, but that was painful.
1: Well, it was, and, and that was when uh, Cecil Staten left early so that there was not a quorum yeah. in, uh, in the Senate to uh, vote to uh, suspend the rules. So there wasn't enough time for the bill to stay there and still get signed a die. However... This year, Signy die wasn't until the following morning. Sometime, I thought it was over with at midnight, but uh, apparently, and from talking to John Monroe, uh, they can go as long as they want to. <laughs> yes, you know, when the session starts, it starts at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's not over till they say Signy and die, and that that could be on Sunday. You know, when it was supposed to be on Thursday. So, uh, and and I think that uh, angered a bunch of the moms and and town <laughs> for gun safety because now it's an illegal bill it was passed too late you know so uh, there we go of course hb60 was illegal and all that kind of good stuff too because they didn't get a chance to hear it yet yeah, it did yeah they Sorry. had plenty of time they to did. testify against it too oh yeah they did yeah. so um what else is on your agenda for today um
2: well let's talk about polling okay um Fake polling.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, you, you mean the Fake. one that tries to get you to vote for the Democrat no matter what his name is? Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: You. So, you know, like, Ossoff is ahead
1: of handle today. Yeah, supposedly. Well, it depends on which one you read. One of them is three points. The other one is seven points. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, And I've seen this a lot with gun bills. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see, you know, the famous uh, AJC poll, which is like 80 yeah. percent was against campus carry. Right. But then the bill passed, and then later on there are polls and says, you know, sixty five percent of the Republicans support campus right, carry. Right. So I, I, I guess I always talk wanted to say about polls that you can't really believe them. No. And to the age in to, to criticize the AJC, you know, they've been they've had a jihad against gun ownership for from, many years from the beginning of the century. If you right. look at some of the old newspapers right. which was part of my research right. you would find that they were angry about people carrying guns not just black americans they were angry about Anybody. irish right. carrying guns right. and that hasn't um, changed it hasn't changed anything mm-hmm. you know they they talk about well you can't carry guns in saloons because of the riffraffs right my ancestors right and uh you know, they've always had this argument against guns. So when you hear an AJC poll, you got to say, well, it's part of a longer-term right. jihad against gun And ownership. if you
1: look at the internals, you'll see that, that it's all weighted. I mean, yeah. one, the, that particular one that you were talking about uh, showed Gwinnett County as not being part of the metropolitan area and Douglas County being part of the, the metropolitan area. Yep. And if you looked at the number of Republicans versus the number of Democrats versus the number of independents, there were a whole lot more Democrats that were polled than there were Republicans. And if you went back and added up the numbers, the numbers didn't add up from yeah. what they said. So, yeah. uh, you know, those those are always something you got to do. I call them propaganda. Yes. It, uh, it's all it is is propaganda. If you go back, we can go back to when Governor Dill ran uh, his last election. Jason Carter was going to have him in a runoff. Mm-hmm. But did he? No. No. Didn't even come close. And... Two years later, I believe it was two years later, wasn't it? When that uh, when Purdue ran,
2: yeah, the senator Purdue senator Purdue
1: ran. He was uh,
2: he was like five points behind. Oh yeah, he was way
1: behind. And and at least I think there were there were three people running because uh, Amanda Swafford was running as a Libertarian. That they were going to get into a runoff, and Purdue would have to win through the runoff. Didn't happen. Nope. And I think this this same poll is going to. Uh, wind up being the same way. Georgia was in play last year with with Hillary if you listen to their polls. Exactly. And it's to me it's a lot of wishful thinking and propaganda trying to get you to come around to their way of thinking.
2: Yep. Now I wonder how how Hillary won Cobb County. You know, I just I'm a resident of Cobb County so I'm kind of scratching my head how that is possible.
1: Well according to what they they say on the breakdown of the polls that, that a lot of the women did not like Trump and the women swayed the the vote in that which makes sense in that part yeah. so you know i don't know it's, it's it's half a dozen one six of the other and i never believed it and i don't believe that uh that uh the six districts gonna go with the democrat no i don't I, I just don't believe it i could be wrong have been before we'll be again but I, uh i don't think so
2: my prediction on the radio show is uh, handle 65% not 55%, 55, sorry, 55%. That, sounds, percent. Yeah, that sounds that
1: sounds pretty good uh, well we're coming up to the uh, end of another segment here that kind of flew by uh, we're having a good time we're, we're probably going to try to figure out how to make this last a little bit longer but uh, we can always have him back another week to, to talk about a few other things at any rate go to org, our website join up read up uh, renew follow us at georgiacarry on twitter and uh be sure to download the commercial free podcast from Newstalk1160.com. And we will be right back.
0: And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome back to GeorgiaCarrie.org Radio Hour. Jerry Henry with uh, Mike Minkus, and we're going to continue talking here. I wanted to say one thing, though, a little bit. Uh, earlier, when you mentioned the, the public gathering, uh, we did have a, an unofficial opinion from Mike Bowers. Bowers. We had two of them. that said that there were two places that we were sure were not public gathering. One of them, I believe, was McDonald's, and the other one was a mall. However, in the mall he had to issue a warning because you had to be careful while you were in a mall because a public gathering might break out while you're in the mall and then you're in violation of the law. Exactly. If a politician got up on a soapbox in a mall and you're walking through it, then you violated just by having the gun in the place, not necessarily at his place, because you couldn't even have it in the parking lot.
2: Yeah, you couldn't have it in your car. If, yeah. if they had a merry-go-round like they have at North mm-hmm. Point Mall, that's a public gathering. Yep, so there you go.
1: So yep. it was it was a lot of fun back then, and you couldn't have it in the car, and at a church, you couldn't have it within 200 yards of the, par- of the church, if that's I'm right. not mistaken. So at any rate, uh, we want to talk now about uh, – about active shooters. Mike's done a lot of work in that and uh, uh, it's a very interesting subject. So, have at it. Tell us about them.
2: Okay. So, I hate the term active shooters.
1: Active killers, more.
2: Um, I'm, I use the term active killer. Professionals in law enforcement use the term active killer. Mm. When you hear a police chief talk about an active shooter, you know he's just pulling it out of yeah. the nether regions. Right. Um, there are a couple of reasons. To use the term "active killer," one it's prejud- prejudicial against gun owners, right? Because if it's an active shooter, the solution to active shooters is do away with of guns. yeah, yeah get away right with shoot. shooters, yeah, which you're trying to do with our youth.
1: Well, and, and in reality, an active shooter can be a guy to, at a shooting range. That, He's active right. shooting. Yeah, I'm an active shooter. Yeah. I compete, in but we're not kill anything but paper. That's right.
2: And I'm the safest go. guy around, usually, yeah. generally. <laughs> so it's it's a prejudicial term, and I I hope we all can just stop <clears throat> using it in the gun world and call it active killer. And the reason this past sadly this past week demonstrated that in London, mm-hmm. those killers use cars and knives. knives. Yep. There's an incident at the University of Texas where a man um, killed one with a knife mm-hmm. and slashed up a bunch of other right. students. Right. He's an active killer, right? And the police response should be: this man, his act is killing, and it it um it inspires them to take all actions as fast as possible. Right. So after I did the racist roots of gun control in Georgia, mm-hmm. I started looking at gun crime, and then I eventually came across a study by a law enforcement officer called Ron Borsch, and he was advocating that law enforcement officers, in terms of Active killer events at schools should not wait for backup. They should go in, first man, go in, your backup's coming. Just go in, get to the killer as soon as you can to end, end that right. killer's life. Right. And what he came up with was a concept called the stopwatch of death. And basically it means every five minutes an active killer is allowed to continue without resistance, any resistance, armed, unarmed, five people will be killed or wounded mm-hmm. every minute. So he would look at it from he looked at it from a law enforcement point of view, and I looked at it from a victim's point of view. Right at what time, you know, how long does it take an active killer event to last? And what I found is something I call the deadly thirteen minutes, mm-hmm. and it consists of the first two or three minutes of an active killer using a handgun. It'll take people two or three minutes to recognize what's going on. You know, it's not a hammer against in the right. hallway. Right, <laughs> something bad's happening. Right. Then they have to recognize it. I'm, a, I'm at threat. Now I need to call 911. There are some studies out there that says that could take as long as 15 minutes. That wow. recognition of the problem, contacting 911. Hmm. Then you got the problem of communicating with 911 because now your adrenaline's flowing. Right. You have got fear. Right. You're trying to remember where you are, what right. building you're at, right. what's going on. So that communication process will take two minutes potentially. I was at the 911 center in Cobb County and listened to a call. It takes a while for people to communicate what their emergency is because they're under a lot of adrenaline.
1: Right. They're a lot of stress.
2: Yes. And then the big part is how long does it take law enforcement to get to where you need to be? Not to where the killer is, but to your building outside. You know, Virginia Tech, the Blacksburg SWAT team was on campus at the start of the Virginia Tech Active Killer event. Mm -hmm. It took them five minutes to get to the entrance of Norris Hall. Mm. When, and then they stood there outside trying to get through the doors that, that were chained shut that they didn't look at the window next door, which uh, one of the students crawled through to get into the building because the door was chained shut. Right. You know, she didn't want to be late for glass. Right. Mm. So it's going to take a while. It takes like 9, 10, 12 minutes for law enforcement from the start of an event for law enforcement to get a gun on the killer. And in that time, we are on our own. Right. There is no help. Right. And that's where gun carriers come into play because we're there. It may take us a minute or two to figure out what's going on. Right. But it's a race to get the gun on the killer and stop them. Right. And as part of that research, and I worked along with other law enforcement researchers on this, developed the concept of, hey, the stopwatch at death. Not just applies to law enforcement timeframes when they get the, the the call to when they kill the guy. It also applies to when the active event starts, when the killer decides. And he's got he's got the advantage. He mm-hmm. picks the time and place where right. he wants. You know, there's a the, the killer out in Colorado. He checked out a bunch of different movie theaters. Right. And you can only imagine. He says, you know, this this place looks pretty good for what I'm going to do. Right. I'll come back later. Right. And then he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the advantage. They they have the initiative, right. and that's where gun ownership and gun people carrying guns protect everyone. And that's why you know when the that's why you see such horrible crimes at, in gun free zones because the killer is allowed right. to continue his killing for an extended period of time. Right. The, if he encou- if an active killer comes in this building and he comes into this room. And threatens a gun with us, he may shoot me. But he's, you know, right. he's kaput. Right. But, and, and, and that won't be in the news because that's just no. a single person being
1: and, killed. And most of the time, when they meet force, then they kill themselves.
2: Yes, actually, so. yeah. Our the research that I involved with uh, the comment was from a law enforcement officer. These active killers are the most least threatening adversary for a law enforcement officer. They're right. cowards. They're typically weak. They fold at the first instance of resistance right. which can include throwing a chair at them you know the people on london were right, right throw chairs at these people yeah. fight back yeah especially um, if they got a knife
1: but, yeah 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 but uh in fact there was a, a mall shooting or it was going to be a mall shooting i believe in in uh, i believe it was kansas kansas or missouri and a, a armed citizen saw the guy come in with an ar-15 a- or ak-47 whichever one it was and he reached for his gun and pulled it out, and the shooter saw him and turned around and killed himself. Never killed anybody else. Yes. Yeah,
0: they're all—most of them are so, suicidal. Right. Yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, I say meet him at the door with force, and let's get it over with, and, yeah. and let them kill themselves, and we don't waste our bullets. They're through, and the, the threat's over with.
2: Yeah. It's generally very rare that a active killer flees uh, Jonesboro, right. Arkansas, but usually they— they move away, they get cornered, and they want to either be shot by the law, en- law right. enforcement officers or to kill themselves. Right,
1: right. Um, so it, it's – and and that's – if my, it's my understanding that that didn't happen at Columbine. That's one of the things that happened uh, that took so long for law enforcement to get their, get their plan together and decide who was going to go where and when. And in the meantime, the kids are going around doing whatever they want to do.
2: Oh, it's worse than that. Mm. It's worse than that. So at Columbine – the Columbine <laughs> actually triggered – law enforcement officer ron bors to do this research because he was appalled at the law enforcement response so let's start with what happened so there were two armed school resource officers at the cafeteria at the time they were sitting in their car outside the cafeteria eating lunch these guys walk past those guys go into the cafeteria and start shooting then the law enforcement officers see them. I think they engaged them with three or four shots and then retreated back to their car. Right. After that point, those killers had free reign of the school because law enforcement surrounded Columbine. Right. They didn't enter Columbine High School for 55 minutes okay. I after the it was start. was 45, but I knew it was, yeah. it was it's, a long, it is, long it time. Was almost an hour. Yeah. And to make it matters worse, they picked the place furthest away from any of the shooting that they heard. They entered the building far away because, you know, we don't want anybody getting hurt. Right. So it took them longer to get through the school. Mm. Um, it's, it was horrible. And, you know, when people say Columbine and gun ownership should be outlawed because of Columbine, I'm yeah. there, I sit there yeah. and go, no, that was a complete failure of law enforcement. Potentially cowardice. Right. And the Jefferson County Sheriff Department won't would not release its records when they were sued about this. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have a feeling they burned them. But – You know it's it's horrible, and Columbine is an example of why we need each of us need to carry in schools. That's correct because law enforcement can't protect us.
1: Well, I call these uh, you know people call them gun free zones. I call them gives G I V E S yes government imposed victim enrichment zones, and that's all it is. That's right. The government is the one that allows them to come in there and do whatever they want to do, not mere you because we would not allow it. The government says it's okay; they can do whatever they want to do because. We have just banned guns. We have done something. You know, everyone, every time something happens, we have to do something. So we've done something. We've banned guns. Now it's everything's taken care of. We'll go somewhere else. Coming up to the end of the third segment here uh, with Mike Minkus and having a very lively discussion, I want to remind you one more time, go to georgia-carry.org. Uh You can join. You can renew. You can learn about us. Do anything you want to do with us. Uh, also, uh, you can download the podcast at Newstalk1160.com. We will be right back.
0: And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry.
1: Welcome back to Georgia dot Radio Hour. Uh, we're into our final segment with uh, GCO founding board member Michael Minkus, PE.
0: That's right. That's Remember it. that baby. You got to get it
1: right. Uh, we want to do a little bit of talking about why GCO is important, not only to us but to you and to uh, to Georgia to to everybody uh, involved, basically in Georgia. Georgia Carry is important to everybody whether they're a member or not, because we do a lot of things that, that help everybody uh, in ways that a lot of people don't even know it. Even even the, the gun prohibitionists, we help them because we make it a safer place for them so that they can go out and, and complain about how bad we are carrying firearms. Exactly,
2: yeah. Um, there's a lot of reasons why Georgia Carry is the premier civil rights organization in Georgia. I don't think of us as a gun rights organization. I think of us as a civil rights organization. Because when you look at our lawsuits, it's – you know our, our first lawsuit was forcing the government to live by its own rules. Right. Which they tend to refuse to do. Right. And then our next set of lawsuits were kind of Fourth Amendment lawsuits where people were getting rousted on the street. Right. And you know if you want stop and frisk in Georgia, then you need to support you know the check your papers bill. Right. But Georgia Carey opposes stop and frisk. Right. That every citizen has a right to walk in the street without being harassed, right. even and, to the
1: point where we we put it in the statute. Yeah, that it is illegal for a uh, law officer to detain you solely for the purpose of determining whether you have a, a license or not. Exactly, and that's
2: the reason they stop people in New York City. Right in New York City, because they, they can, because they, they can. And the the, cool, the horrible statistic, if you're a civil rights person, is ninety percent of the stops in New York City. stop and frisk that there's probable cause he's carrying a firearm or a weapon they don't find anything right like they don't find anything right they find car keys right no drugs no guns no knives nothing yeah it's a total harassment program right and george Carey, to your point stands up and says no we're not going to allow you to do that you're you can't stop people on the street correct and when you get to the bottom of the second amendment all the other amendments in the constitution come into play Mm -hmm. you know um Walking on the street. Should a cop be able to walk up to you and say, Give me your license, show me your ID? Right. Hell no. Mm-mm. We have a we have the constitution protection right. against that. Um Fifth Amendment, you know, First Amendment, you know, do you have a right, right. to speak you know, speak publicly? Right. You know, if if you can't defend yourself against people who would show violence toward you, you know, like Kathy Kathy Griffin, she holds up a decapitated head of our president. Right, you know that's the way a lot of people think. They are going to use violence to shut you up. What's happening in Evergreen College? If if you can't protect yourself, you don't have the right to speak. You know, right? Pray, you, you don't have the, right, the right, to do right to anything to speak your mind against the government. There needs to be restrictions on the government, right. and you need protections. Right.
1: And if you do away with the Second Amendment, all those protections are gone or yeah. will be gone shortly thereafter.
2: Yeah. Look with Venezuela. Mm-hmm. But three years ago, they banned gun ownership. Right. Private gun ownership. And look how fast right. that country is degraded. They have no civil rights. The criminals are in right. charge. Um, people it, are starving to death. Right. It's – you can look through history, and every time a government says, we're going to re- take your guns from you – right? And it's for your benefit. Oh yeah, and it's not no. for your benefit?
1: No, it winds but, up in, in it results in more deaths. Yes, than would you would ever have, even if the all the people that own guns went berserk. Yes, you know the government kills more than than we could even think about killing.
2: Yep, and the sick part is the government doesn't report honest statistic crime statistics. Right, you know, like Australia, they got a, a crime problem worse than when they had guns. Right. But they don't report that. They play games with the statistics. Right. Like in Japan, if they don't solve a crime in 48 hours,
1: it's, it's not, not a, a crime. It's not a
2: crime, yeah. Because um, they they,
1: they're good enough they can solve it in 48 yeah. hours.
2: Or if there's no conviction, some countries, if there's no conviction, right. there was no it's crime. not a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, another classic is no conviction, 48 hours. Oh, if it's a crime that involves an illegal immigrant. It doesn't – or if the illegal immigrant's a victim, that doesn't count that doesn't because count. he's not a citizen. <clears throat> right. So right. they play games with the statistics, and when you start diving into them, like, you know, I'm veering off into statistics. But when you, they say Europe is so much safer than America, no. Mm-mm. In America, people call 911 when their Happy Meal doesn't come with a toy. Right. That gets reported as right. a, thre- a you know, call to 911 as a, a potential crime. Right. That's in our statistics. Right. Europe is completely different. Yeah. Um. But Georgia Carey is important because we are defending other civil liberties, and we're the cool part about Georgia Carey. And I've said it before: is we fight for the rights of others. Right. You and I are never going to be on college campus, generally. Yeah. But we're fighting for the rights of college students to protect themselves. Right. A couple of years ago, um, if you had a marijuana conviction right. at any time <clears throat> in your life, whether a misdemeanor, it was misdemeanor, marijuana. you know. Yes. You could not get a carry license. Right. And there were a lot of people in Georgia who were un, in, ineligible to get a carry license because of a pot that had pot, – possessing pot 50 years ago. Right. That's not fair. We got rid of that. Yes, we did. So, once we figured out that was a problem, we got we rid did. of it. And every every Georgia carry bill that we support, there's always a clause in there that protects – expands the rights of people who don't have those rights today. Right, And I – Protects rights, other rights, you know, right. prohibition against cops stopping you and asking right. you for your license. Ganger. Well,
1: we also uh, passed a bill that, that said that uh, people who live in government housing and low cost housing could not be denied their Second Amendment rights as well. Yeah. So, you know, anybody that brings a, a problem to us, we address it most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and if we haven't addressed it, and it's been brought to us. We're we're still addressing it. That's because we've got to get people to go along with us to get the law passed. But we're still addressing that.
2: Yep. And the problem. Mm-hmm. And the problem that we've got. I mean, it's not really a problem. It's an opportunity. But the more we scratch at Georgia law, and the more we find out what's happening, the more work there is for right. Georgia Carey. It never right. seems to end. Ed Stone told me once that I was the treasurer, and I hated that job. <laughs> I literally hated that job because I thought. We would be out of business in a year. We would accomplish our goal. Right. We just have to say, "Hey, look, California is better than us," right. and they'd instantly change it like a magic, you know, unicorn out there. Right. And then, you know, seven years later, i was still treasurer. I was thinking we'd only have 50 members, um, we'd only have a yeah. hundred dollars to our name in the bank, and you know, and then it's Ed Stone says to me, "You know, this is a lifetime pursuit. This is not going to be solved next year, five yeah. years." And that, of course, crushed me. And that's you know right. I, I couldn't handle that. Um, that's um, I, I got another example that I think Georgia Carey may want to look into is in Georgia, if you if a cop arrest you know sees you do a misdemeanor, you have to go to jail. You don't get a ticket. In a lot of states, they have in lieu of a citation. You know you don't get the right. ride downtown for a misdemeanor. They write you a ticket. A summons appear later on. In Georgia, people are sent – you get booked. right?
1: And – You can be booked for a traffic violation in, in yes, Georgia. Yes, yes. Yeah. A lot I of people think, don't understand that, but you can because yeah. it's a misdemeanor.
2: Yeah, and I think that's something that we may need to look at yeah. to pursue. It's kind of outside of realm, but, yes. you know, if you get arrested for a carry violation, well, you're going to jail, mm-hmm. whether you want to or not, right. whether the law enforcement officer right. believes – you need right. to go to jail. Yeah. Thirty-two other states issue citations, right. so you don't have to go to jail. You don't have to spend post bond. Um, and there are a lot of people in jail right now who can't post bond. Right, right. And you know that's something we should look at. But it, to, to my point, the more we dig into this, the more problems we find with Georgia law, mm-hmm. and the more work we have. And that's why it's important. You know, we we fight for the rights of others. Right
1: but we're there there are some things that are out of our our purview, and we we don't we try not to go yeah. outside of those things and and the, the misdemeanor thing may be one of them that oh, we yeah. don't want to really go outside of because our our focus is on gun laws and and that's what we have fought for, and that's what we've you know we've we've said before we have three pronged approach we educate, we legislate if that doesn't work, we litigate that's right, and we have been very successful in doing that. Uh, The other thing that I'd like to point out was something that you said a while ago about uh, how we're fighting for everybody. We're fighting for their rights, and we get accused sometimes of of, uh, people to say that we want to have everybody carrying a gun. Everybody needs to be armed. Everybody wants – we should have uh, – everybody should be able to – or everybody should be carrying a firearm, and that's not what we're fighting for. I don't care whether you carry a firearm or not, but I'm fighting for your right to do that. I'm fighting for your right – to decide that that's what you want to do. If you don't want to do it, that's fine with me. I don't care. It's fine. I have no problem with that. But we're fighting for the right for you to make that decision and not having some government official somewhere making that statement for you. Yeah.
2: So, I would say and we're work special because we're seeking you know, we we work for the repeal of regulations. Right. Uh, not many other organizations out there are not um, are most of the other organizations out there are looking for more laws. We're looking for less. Right. Most right. of the organizations out there are looking for more money. They right. yeah. are ARP. Yeah. We're not looking for money. We don't we don't want to, you know. Yeah. We just want the government to leave us alone.
1: That's correct. I and agree that's with
2: that. that's very unique in the civil rights realm in right. Georgia.
1: That's correct. Yep, and, and you can tell that by the number of bills that's introduced every year. Our bills are to, to give you back your rights. Most of them are to, to take some of them away. We're coming up to the end of our show. It's been a very interesting talk today with Michael Minkus, good friend. And, and uh, I wanted to remind you one more time, we need to go to georgiacary.org. Uh, join up if you're not a member. Uh, follow us at georgiacary. Follow me on Twitter at gotyourback64. You can download the news Newstalk1160.com. Uh, commercial-free broadcast, and we will see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to georgiacarry.org radio, hosted by Georgia Carrie's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. Georgiacarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Georgiacarry.org radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.